the So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, the podcast where we cover all the pop culture we love to hate, from the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. I'm looking at you, Jax Taylor. I'm your host, Ryan Bailey. Forget all calm 
Folks, welcome. I love it. It's so bad it's good with Ryan Bailey. This is Ryan Bailey. Welcome to your Tuesday episode. We are already 20% the way through the week, and this is December. Now, December for most people means, it kind of means we don't do anything for the entire month. I know a lot of people, especially in Los Angeles, everybody just clocks out. It's weird. Like, Los Angeles, in terms of, like, the movie-making community, the artistic community, quote-unquote, they're off for like the next six weeks. So for some people, it is already the holiday time. And I say to you, happy holidays. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey again. Uh, is everybody good? How did we have a rough re-entry to the week? Man, I just did something that is unheard of for me. I fell asleep on the couch. I was watching 90 Day Fiance. And for some reason, I just passed I passed out hard when you wake up with just slobber. And you're like, where the hell am I? Like, I thought I was in high school still. I was like, oh, my God, it's finals. I'm really scary. And then I was like, oh, shit, I haven't finished the podcast. So here I am finishing the podcast like a professional, you folks. You folks? You guys. <laughs> so here's the deal. Today, we have got an amazing, uh, truly an amazing show. I think this has something for everybody, and I'm really proud of this. I did the interview with the guest, gosh, almost a month ago, and it was somebody like, if we can get somebody, uh, Sandra's doing such an amazing job at booking the show, but uh, you know, it goes in waves, you know, like tomorrow I have three amazing guests that I have to talk to that I don't, that I, I'm sorry, not have to, I get the opportunity to talk to, which is amazing. This is something I, I kill for. And I'm just so excited about that. But then some days you don't talk to anybody and you get to do a Patreon episode, which by the way, we just did a Patreon episode with my mom, Becky Bailey, a Q and a, um, so that's up there. And, and I have to remind everybody again, if you want a holiday card, sign up for your Patreon. Now we will be sending that out next week. Also, I know this isn't common, but somebody very close to Maritza Lopez, who is part of the So Bad It's Good team, one of my best friends who does all the amazing graphic images, something somebody very close to her is in the hospital right now, and it is COVID-related, unfortunately. So, um, you know, I know this might not be everybody's cup of tea, but if you could put some good thoughts in the air, some good prayers in the air, whatever, you know, that means to you, put it out there. I know this is just uh, very, very horrible at this time of year, especially, and I know a lot of us have gone through similar things these past couple of years. So please put that out there. But also, then if you want a card, <laughs> join the Patreon. I don't know. I don't even think I'm really good at this. Not that I think. I've been doing this two years, and I, I don't think I've gotten any better. <laughs> um, let's see here. Um, so today, I have a great guest, and then I also have a full solo recap of the premiere of Real Housewives of Orange County. Uh, I did that earlier today, and it was truly unhinged, which seems to be kind of that actually is what I'm good at. So I loved season 16, episode one. I love the premiere. I've watched it like three times. I It just gets better each time for me. But I was like, you know what? I think I want to recap this entire series. I want to go with Shannon Storms Bedore and Heather DeBrow and all of the ladies that look very similar to one another in terms of their eyebrows. When did the eyebrow get popular where it's like a, um, what is it? It's like a down, like a ski slope. You know, on both eyes, it's like a ski slope, like wee, like a black diamond on your eyebrow. I noticed Brittany Cartwright has this too. It's just like, what do they do? You, do they put a lot of Botox at the top of the right and the top of the left eyebrow and then just let it slant down naturally? Like, do you, you know what I'm talking about? Where it looks like everybody looks like Jack Nicholson. It's like, wee, 
Like, it's not a natural look. I know it's, you know, but then I'll sit there and go, is that hot? And I'm like, I have to talk to myself. I can't, I don't know. Also, in, in we've got, here's the deal. Also, we've got so much entertainment news. Uh, my friend Marissa has been sending me articles on, on top of articles, and I love it so much. But uh, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do just one quick story uh, because it turns out on November 23rd, Pei Kai, I'm the rich husband, loving husband, PK, was arrested for suspicion of domestic driving. No, driving under the influence. November 23rd, right before Thanksgiving. He was actually pulled over right, uh, if anybody lives in Los Angeles, 101 and Laurel Canyon, which is someplace I have driven many times when I used to live in the Valley. So, of course, he was on his way back to uh, Encino, where they live. Which, by the way, if Dorit actually lived in Beverly Hills proper, this might not have even happened. But yeah, so he had a statement, his publicist released a statement saying he had only had one glass of wine at a business dinner, very important business dinner. He thought he was fine, and he has learned a very important lesson from this. But man, Dorit is really going for possibly the best storylines of the season already, and the season hasn't even aired yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, So we have the home invasion, which is horrific, and then we have PK getting a DUI, and if I mean, we better get to see... I mean, I hate to say that, but like if it's part of her life and it's in the season, it's fair game, right? Like, do you think we'll see P PK going, come on, babe, please. Little Jagaloo wasn't with me. It was just him, by the way, also. So he was he was by himself. Uh, thankfully, he didn't hurt anybody and he learned an important lesson. So it seems like he handled it the right way, but I'm very tentatively excited. To see how they, is that all right to say? Then I'm excited to see how they portray that in the show if it gets portrayed at all. So remember this episode, November 23rd is when it happened. So let's all bookmark that in our heads so we can revisit it at another time. But uh, so I'm going to do all of these news stories, kind of the Bailey Mail, which is the Daily Mail, except I changed Daily to Bailey. We'll be doing that on Wednesday's episode along with an amazing interview as well. Um, So let's get right into it right now. And remember, folks, the timestamps. If you don't like that mashup, which come on, are you hard of feeling? If you don't like that mashup, what's wrong with you? It'll show exactly the moment you can start the show notes, right? You can start right there. Uh, if you don't like this first part where I just talk insanely, you can skip right to the interview. It'll have the place for the interview. If you want to start with the recap and then go to the interview, It'll have the minutes for the recap. And remember, there's like an eight-minute section where I do commercials in every episode because it keeps the lights on and it, you know, makes me not move back in with my parents. And and that's and that's how the show works. If you are joining us for the first time, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Um, I know Sandra always reminds me of things to say, and then I always conveniently forget it when I'm talking because that's just who I am. Um, that's it. Oh, and also Monday's episode, I was, I was angry. I was angry at everybody. I was angry at the Kardashians. I was angry at Jax Taylor. I was angry at DJ James Kennedy. I was very much angry at Tristan Thompson. I'm still angry at Tristan. I will be eternally angry with Tristan Thompson. That guy is just a dirty dog with a dirty dick, and we all know it. So, uh, but let's, let's go on to more positive things because uh, I think my next guest is somebody that has just kind of this amazing story. I've talked about her documentary before. It's called the Queen of Versailles. Now, we talk about this, of course, in the interview, which is just it's a good 30 minute interview, really nice, quick, but meaty interview. And it's one of the best documentaries I've seen. Um, And it really, to me, showed that this woman is a real housewife. 
You've also seen her and her family on Below Deck a couple of times. Um, she is just a character, and I say that in the best way possible. She seems like a very special lady that has lived a very amazing life. Um, but there's also uh, something that we talk about that is very near and dear to her, and I think is so important. Uh, her daughter died uh, um, due to the opioid crisis, and we talk a little bit about that. And she has started uh, an organization uh, to help out kids and to help out parents that are dealing with the o opioid crisis. But our guest today, her name is Jackie Siegel, um, and her daughter's name uh, was Victoria. And uh, she has kind of this amazing story. Uh, we talk about her foundation and, and the book that they released about her daughter, uh, Victoria's Voice. Uh, so it's a very important issue, but she still has such a great sense of humor. And talk about a calling that uh, when your child, if they ever pass away, she is doing something so positive with it. And I think this is kind of a beautiful story, but it is interesting. She's been a part of my life since I watched this documentary, I think in like 2011 or 2012. And I just thought it was the best. If you guys have not seen this documentary, The Queen of Versailles, uh, you've got to watch it but most of you guys have. She also has a YouTube channel and all that stuff, and she might be relaying a little bit of secret information about the next time she will be on TV because I was like, this lady is deserves to be a housewife, or why have we not gotten an update besides the Below Deck episodes and Flipping Out with Jeff Lewis? Because she was on Flipping Out as well. So anyways, let's get right into that, and then we're going to do a commercial break, and then we're going to do a solo episode uh, a solo recap of Real Housewives of Orange County this season premiere, which I just love. So, ladies and gentlemen, the Queen of Versailles, Jackie Siegel. Uh, welcome back to iHeartRadio, So Bad It's Good. Uh, today, we have somebody I've wanted to talk to since 2011 when I saw the documentary that I think was like one of the blueprints for <laughs> Real Housewives, the Queen of Versailles. You have seen her on Bravo. I don't know why she is not an actual housewife yet. You've seen her on Below Deck. You've seen her on Flipping Out. She is amazing. But there's also this other amazing story that we're going to touch on today about her daughter and the foundation she has started for her. And hopefully, we will find out why she is not on TV yet and when she is going to be back on our TV screens. Jackie Siegel, welcome to the show. I am so excited to be here today. Thank you so much for inviting me. Um, just so if people don't know, I mean, 2011, the documentary came out, The Queen of Versailles, which is really about building, what, what is it, like a 90,000 square foot house? Well, and, and still growing. It's even larger than that. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. You didn't have room. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, but, you know, your husband, who you've been married to since 2000, I believe, um, uh, it built this house in the recession. So it was like 2008. The recession was happening and you were not able to complete this house. And, it, you know, the documentary ends where it's kind of just standing and you're walking around in this huge space. But since then, things have changed. Work has started back up again. Uh, that's correct, right? Right. Since since the um, crash of 2008, um, my husband, he made everything back and, and then some like this yeah. company doing great. So, um, but, you know, we, we also stalled construction on the house actually a couple of times. One was because of the recession in 2008. And uh, the other one was that we started construction again in 2015 and we were back on track and, <laughs> And yeah, everything was like great. And and then our daughter passed away, our 18-year-old daughter from a drug overdose. Yeah, and Victoria, point, correct? Victoria. Yeah. Yeah, and at that point, it's like, 
um, with all the money in the world, I mean, we couldn't bring her back to life. And, and we didn't even care about Versailles at that point. So we kind of went kind of dark, you know, yeah. to say like, you know, um, and uh, just, just during our mourning period. Yeah, of and, course. And now it's been six years since she passed away. Um, and we, we um, created Victoria's Voice, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah. And we're back on track finishing Versailles. My husband's, um, he says, we got to get this done. And he I mean, kind of put in charge. <laughs> I mean, it is, it, it is fascinating to follow that journey. And it is such an understandable thing of why that journey is not completed yet. Um, before we get into Victoria's voice, though, you have made some of the most memorable guest appearances on Bravo. Uh, do you watch Bravo shows? Do you love Bravo shows? Because you are so in Bravo's DNA, I feel. I do love Bravo, and I know everyone says, "Oh, you should do a housewife yes. show." And, and um, um, I did want to try out for the one up in New York um, because we have a, a a big hotel up in New York um, near Grand Central Station near the UN, right across from the mayor's office. And I have a <laughs> penthouse there, so I was I thought when I I was going to remodel, which I did remodel the penthouse, but I guess I just didn't. I don't know. I didn't make the cut or something. <laughs> That's ridiculous because we've seen that you've been proven gold time and time again. I mean, flipping out below deck, you've been on below deck twice, I believe. Um, oh, and what's been I your favorite Jeff one? Was, Jeff, Jeff was is, uh, amazing. He was so much fun. And because um, we were talking about him doing, um, helping us finish Versailles, but then um, we ended up like stopping construction again. And so um, that, that didn't work, work out. And um and then I did Below Deck twice. I know. Yeah. I mean, this last one was with uh, Captain Lee. Wait, who's your favorite captain? I gotta, I, gotta, I guess I got to ask. You know, I bonded with both of them. And Captain Sandy was was quite amazing because I gave her my Victoria's Voice book. And I, I know they meet like new people every week. And, um, and uh, she took my book. And the next morning, she came up and gave me a big hug. So she obviously read the book at nighttime and she she um, came out and said that she's um, had a, a problem with. Um, um, some, with a, a yeah, substance. yeah, she's sober now. Yeah, she's been sober, I guess, like almost 20 years. Yeah. And, and she just gave me a big hug and she said this is very close to her heart. And uh, and that was more of a girl's trip on that trip. And so, so we had a blast. It was a lot of fun. Then I liked it so much below deck um gave me the opportunity to be on with captain lee yeah and my husband he's not really so much into yachting or anything and um as you know captain lee lost his son yeah there was a beautiful moment you guys shared yeah got to a drug overdose so anyway so i didn't even ask my husband i mean i asked my husband to go on the first trip with captain sandy i figured you know, if there was any chance he was going to go, it was going to be with a beautiful captain. You know? <laughs> yeah, but, but he says, no, you go, you go. <laughs> so I didn't even ask him to go on this trip with Captain Lee. So I was planning a girl's trip. And then all of a sudden he's telling everyone he's going on um, below deck with Captain Lee. It's like, okay, <laughs> now let me readjust our, our list. Now it's going to be a family cruise. Uh, and, uh, and listen to this. So, so when we go on um, for the, we were already in Antigua. They have us like um, on the, like a like a little restaurant by the 
in the marina there yeah. for the Yawas. And they said, this is the only time they were prepping us for the entrance to get on the yacht. And they said, this is the only time we're going to tell you what to do and what not to say. And um, it's like our parade and to get on the yacht and meet the staff. Yeah. And it's the only thing we do not want you to do is to mention to Captain Lee or ask him anything about losing his son. Yeah. And um and they said that's the only thing. And we said you can drink, you can swear, you can do whatever, you know, but whatever. You know, so <laughs> I'll have a good time. <laughs> but uh, I mean, not that I swear, anyways. But I'm just saying, oh, like, sure. <laughs> that, that, like there is no rules besides yeah. just not to bring that up. And so we we get on board. We do the parade on board with my um, as much family members. As fa- yeah, you had the full family, family there. It felt like yeah, <laughs> and. He goes up to get Captain Lee. It's like, uh, Captain Lee, David Siegel, nice to meet you. And my husband puts his arm on Captain Lee's shoulder and he says, I'm so sorry about your loss. And that was the first thing he said. It's he broke the, the main rule. <laughs> and, I mean, the one rule. And he broke it. That's amazing. Hey, your husband's been breaking rules all his life. That's where, that's why he is where he is. You know, uh, that's, that's but, I would love to, did, did the crew moan like, Oh no, no, actually, um, uh, Captain Lee gave him a hug and then they just, uh, he, he, that's when originally that when he originally came out and started talking about his son and now he's, is in, um, I mean, my husband and him are best friends now. Yeah, they look like they really bonded on that episode. Uh, and I thought it was that really, that's what I love about Bravo shows is they can be really funny and then they can have these kind of really solid moments where everybody can relate to because, yeah. and I and I hope this is all right to talk about, you know, is that the yeah. opio, uh, opioid crisis, you know, I have a lot of uh, listeners that have families that uh, oh, have yeah. young adults and things like this. And and this is something that it, it's, it, it's, a, it's an epidemic in itself. Are up 60%. Drug overdoses, I mean drug overdose deaths, are yeah. up 60% from last year. I have 14-year-old girls. They're in high school, a public school. And uh, uh, just three weeks ago, they lost a classmate that took a pill or a vape or something that was laced with fentanyl. Yeah, this the is fentanyl. becoming normal. This These deaths, I mean, when I was growing up, you, you, there's a little weed going around or alcohol, you know, but this is this is major and you can die instantly because of these fentanyl. You know, they're putting this stuff with the other stuff and people are just, kids are dying. If, if that's what happened to Captain Lee's son. His, his son would take uh, opioid, like a Percocet. He bought it off the street because the restrictions to get him from the doctors, if you're yep. taking it for because you're addicted, they're not going to give it to you. And he, and he took one pill and he overdosed. Uh, That's all it takes. That's all it takes is one bad uh, thing to, I mean, but you've done something positive with what happened to your daughter. And I want to, you know, so you have the Victoria's voice foundation and also her book, Victoria's voice, which uh, it says your daughter's dying wish was to share her diary, uh, but this is diary, you know, and, and what are these two things? I mean, these are huge things you've started, especially this foundation, which just seems well, Victoria's amazing. Voice I was looking book. at the website. What is this and what have you learned? Well, Victoria's voice book, um, yeah. what that's it? her actual diary. And we um, scanned each page of her diary. And then my husband and I, wow. we, we put our two cents in. 
um, and gave like a, a, our stories in, in this book. And then also at the end of the book, we gave the warning signs that as a parent, um, we, we missed the warning signs um, of, like, we never thought our da daughter was doing drugs. And, and, uh, and we, we hope that this book can help other parents save their children's lives. And it's on Amazon. Yeah, it's I see that. Story's Voice. And, and there's actually two colors of the pages in the book. The, the ones that uh, the, me and my husband wrote are in white. And then her actual diary is like in cream colored white. So it's real clear to see um, which is which. And you guys, I'm going to put the link on the description. So make sure you check out that link. It's going to take you directly to that Amazon book if you're interested. Yeah, so it's, it's really um, so, pretty cool. What and did then, you learn about your daughter uh, in, in reading her diary? I mean, was it, it had to have been this painstaking process to go through these things that your daughter wrote after the fact. I mean, was it, I, I just, and I am even sorry to ask questions about it, but I know you're doing a lot of good by, by talking about it. I mean, but what do you learn going through something like that? And what are the signs that, that people need to be watching out for? Well, um, actually, I, I feel like I know my daughter better now reading her yeah. diary than I knew her as a mother. Um, I, I think parents um, need to know how private and um, that kids can be because um, they're ashamed to talk about um, their struggles at school. Like if they're being bullied and, um, or if they're starting to experiment with drugs, they're not going to tell a, a parent. Yeah, and, no. and the thing is um, like Victoria, um, she started, her behavior started to change her. Um, she started getting like, she got a tattoo. Um, she started getting like with a, a, a not so good crowd. Yeah. And, and um, she would like stop caring for her hair and just like not even fix it nice. Like, just like let it be natural. Um, uh, she would uh, be, be like lock herself in the bedroom and, and she, like she was tired all the time and, and we we would take her to doctors and stuff, but you know she was never open about doing drugs. And finally, um, she was open one time, and she said, "Mom, I'm addicted to Xanax, and uh, and I need rehab." And she was buying the the drugs from school, Xanax. We took her to rehab. In rehab, she met a 26 year old man. Now my daughter was 18. He was in there. She was in there because she wanted to come off of Xanax because, I mean, you can have seizures if you don't wean yourself off of that. Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. And this this man, he was in there, um, never held a job in his life. He was a heroin addict. He was court ordered to be there or go to jail. So he had one last chance to clean up his act before he was facing prison. And. So we had no intentions of quitting. So she met him when he was sober. And then the day they got out, mm. they went on their first date and he introduced her to heroin. And a month later, she was dead. So, oh my God. Uh, yeah, well, so I, I, I would say for any mother to if, if, if you put your um, the, if you have a girl, if yeah. you put her into rehab, make sure it's not co-ed. Yeah, gosh. I mean, that, I didn't wouldn't even think about that, but that's yeah. so dead. I mean, yeah, especially, gosh, that's so abusive yeah. in such a whole different way. Um, you did something positive with all of this information, though, and you started uh, Victoria, the Victoria's Voice Foundation. 
um, which, uh, what, why did you decide to do this? Well, what most, most people um, seem to be doing, and I think it's kind of a trend when you lose a child like this in an untimely manner, um, they all start a foundation and they say, instead of um, flowers, send the money to the foundation and, and they try to create something good out of a horrific situation yeah. because it, it makes the parents feel better. So we immediately started a foundation. This wasn't what my plan in life. I, I didn't know anything about running a foundation or what we were going to do with it. And all this like um, was support started rolling in. And, and over the past six years, we have evolved the foundation. I think maybe Victoria's our guardian angel, our guardian angel, because she's made uh, the success of our foundation too easy. I'm meeting <laughs> all the right people. I'm getting all the wonderful support. And we're going nationwide. Um, well, the, the first thing we did is we got um, the Kara Act passed, which is a bill that was on the shelf for like three years. We went up to Congress. And CARA Act provides the funds for the naloxone for all the states. Naloxone is Narcan, right? It's Narcan. Yeah, there's like the generic name and the yeah. regular name. And then um, it's it's the um, Lazarus drug. It brings people back to life that have done an opioid overdose. And it's quite amazing. So that was the first thing that we did. And then... We that we've now formed um, victory clubs. Um, we've been speaking to DEAs. I've been speaking to attorney generals, and we want to bring our victory clubs, um, hopefully, to as many schools as possible across the country. I've got um, commitments from a few states. We've got Nevada, uh, Florida, South Dakota, and also we have an educational series. Yeah, that, that and this is all free because the foundation paid for all the production and all the support um, for all of our programs. So we've got 15 minute educational series about the drug epidemic and about life skills. And, um, and those are being shown in schools, like in health class, and they can also be shown um, after school and um, yeah, you're bringing school. drug prevention to these schools. You're bringing right. it to them for free. And, and we also have, um, um, another video series about because for for people that are incarcerated because people that are incarcerated a lot of them have um, addiction issues and their children are subject to addiction so we have a speaker that goes to um, the prisons as well with our video series so um, already this this past year before covid we spoke to 5000 schools and then a lot of the ones during COVID, we would do Zoom calls. So, I mean, we're, we're just reaching out to so many people. And it's like, it's just too easy. Um, <laughs> make it, make it hard for you guys. But that's so cool. I mean, it really is. You know, like you said, a lot of these people do these things. and uh, But you're actually having great success with it. And this is the right time to be doing this. Uh, everything I read points to this is such a major, major epidemic with, with young kids, teenagers. And it's just and, not something I had to deal with because of, you know, when I grew up, but right. so many kids, I, I mean, I have a niece and nephew that I'm scared to death when they get to high school, you know? Right. But, but like when we were growing up, like you said, marijuana, I mean, 
it was just from the earth. It's just, it was a plant. Now, yeah. now the, the marijuana, they've got like the oil that's like, uh, like 50 times stronger. <laughs> yes. Like it's like, and it's laced as well because the, the drug dealers are trying to give the kids, uh, you know, that extra high. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 one of my hairdressers, uh, she has a 15 year old son and he did a, a vape that he bought off the street. He thought it was um, marijuana, but it was an oil and it was some chemical and it, it, it messed his brain so bad that it gave him instant brain damage. And he has to be in an insane asylum for the rest of his life. Well, and, and they don't know even what was in there. I mean, they're, they're putting um, oven cleaner and, or, or, and oh. like Reno in some of this stuff, too. Well, I mean, this is what's amazing that you're actually talking about it and open to talking about it because the stigma of hiding this, even like your daughter of, you know, like you do hide these things from your parents. You do hide these things. The more we talk about it openly and without shame and just this is a very matter of fact thing, I think the better it is, you know? Well, that's why we came out because, you know, uh, um, I had a feeling that there were a lot more overdoses um, going on even before Victoria passed away because- even with some of these like movie stars, you see them all, um, oh. so-and-so died of natural causes, a heart attack or something. Well, something uh, for a young person, something caused that heart attack, but the family was just being protective and didn't want to admit to people, the, the general public yeah. that maybe it was a ton of cocaine or a mixture of, 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 of pills and, and alcohol, you know, and, and by them not coming out and bringing the awareness about the dangers of mixing this stuff or, of, of overdosing they're not saving any lives and when my daughter passed away it was still pretty fresh that the when the queen of versailles movie came out so a lot of people um uh, the press definitely remembered you know who i was yeah. and and like the new york post and stuff like and all the tabloids were putting like uh the doomed princess of versailles or Ugh. they they were the, the headlines were just cruel and uh you know it just uh i didn't even watch tv so i don't even know all that they said but someone said they saw like i went on the morning shows uh, I, I think kathy lee said that i looked like i was going to the kentucky derby you know and oh, then god you know just like because i wore a big i wore a big yeah black. yeah yeah it was an outdoor funeral and it, it's 100 or 98 degrees in florida in the in, in the summer so, you well, know. Screw, screw what anybody else says, but I mean, it is fascinating because you are this uh, bigger than life personality, you know, and I say that in the best way possible. Like it is, uh -huh. you, you know, the camera loves you. I think it is so fun to watch you. And that's why I say, you know, I'm like, oh, I want to see more of you because I really that documentary, you know, it's about a house, but it's about you. And I think you uh, you have this really fascinating history from pageants into, you know, the marriage into your family life. And now you have this new aspect to it. And that's why life is so interesting to how you evolve. Into you know, things. I'll tell that you, I have been filming. We, we, we um, started um, really going um, more fast forward on Versailles back in January. And now it's um, in November. We're almost done shooting like a whole season of a of a show, and I'm not really allowed to. Um, uh, you, I, don't, I don't even know if they have the name, but it's coming out this spring. Okay, now that is amazing news. 
uh, you've almost shot a whole season of a show about more Versailles, more you, oh, more uh, your family. I think it's going to be really popular because so many people already know about Versailles and they were left hanging. And yes. everyone's going on, what's going on with the house? You know, everywhere I go, even like if I, I was in Japan, people there in, in Japan were asking me or Australia. I mean, <laughs> Australia had me on their good day, uh, Australia asking me about the house. So I, I feel because of things like that, that um, people are going to want to see it oh i mean uh yeah i mean uh, this thing is built in popularity over the years i mean this is for anybody that asks me recommendations for housewife shows i recommend the housewife shows but then i always say and go watch queen of versailles because it is very housewife adjacent it tells its own story and it to me is in that same dna that bravo does so uh so good at and you are such a great personality with all these amazing personalities around you. So I, for one, am so excited because I feel like this is made for that. And also the positive thing is you can bring more uh, awareness to Victoria's voice to people like, cause when I was got to know that I was talking to you, I got to learn about all of this, you know, I got to learn. And that's oh. what I love about life is that you evolve. Like, could you ever imagine yourself going to Congress? Could you have ever imagined yourself going to Washington 20 years ago? No, and now I have to like get up and speak in front of people. And the, the thing is, that it's like really, I don't mind the camera. Like the camera is easy because I don't picture like the a million people there that I'm talking to. But but when I'm in person in a stadium, that's when I get nervous. And oh, I have yeah. to do it because if I don't, I mean, I have no choice right now. I just, I have to um, save lives. And yeah, I mean, that's really... I mean, when you have a big calling like that, you can't say no, you know, and I think it's kind of amazing because your daughter's got to be super proud of you and what you're doing. And like, I I think this is probably, I I can't speak for you, but a a great way to uh, honor her, but also stay in touch with her, you know, in the best way. Yeah. It's like, so um, our daughter didn't die in vain. And my husband said when she, at the funeral, he said, because of Victoria's death, thousands and thousands of lives are going to be saved. And, and we'll never be able to fully quantify how many lives are going to be saved. But uh, I mean, we just know in our heart, it's going to be a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know we just have a couple more minutes with you, um, uh, but we we got some amazing oh. information. Oh. I cannot wait. And of course, we follow your Instagram to find out anything. I'm sure as soon as that show gets announced, that'll be up on your Instagram. Also, how do we support uh, the Victoria Voice Foundation? We're going to try to get the book. If uh, if anybody's interested, we're going to to put that link there. But how do we support? How how, how would you recommend well, us helping our, the foundation? Our, our website is victoriasvoice.foundation. Victoriasvoice.foundation. And then also, if anyone wants to like watch me on the, the um my Facebook and Instagram is the real queen of Versailles. I'll put um, all that information on the description, you guys. Yeah. And I'm not like right now, I'm not really allowed to post anything from Versailles until the show. <laughs> comes out next spring. You're, I, you're I, banned from posting your own house. I love it. I am. I am. It's a contract. <laughs> so it's, it's been kind of like, that's kind of weird, but um, yeah, but I agreed to it. So, um, Next spring, I'll be showing a lot more like stuff going on inside Versailles, but they want to save it for the surprise. Of for course. The well, spring can't come soon enough. And I got to say, watching in 2011, I watched it the year it came out and I could, I, I, if I really, I remember watching it and thinking, well, there's no way. I mean, I thought it was, uh, I mean, oh, and such a compliment to you and your husband of like what fighters and what a 
I mean, that your husband's a fighter, man. Like to, to be where, I mean, in 2008 and then to see where you guys are now, I, I would not have predicted it after watching that documentary. It's fascinating. 2008 was a rough year for everyone. And I'll tell you, I mean, I had friends that, uh, whoever had a mortgage, I mean, if the bank calls the loan of the mortgage, which they did, the, the banks took back the, the land, yeah. the houses. So, I mean, it wasn't just us, but thank God we were able to hold on to it because no, no one um, wanted to spend a hundred million dollars. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like a whole state itself. Like it's like the Vatican and then it the is. Versailles mansion is as its own zip code. Probably. I, I have my own security um, guards. I have a, um, <laughs> Uh, uh, actually a, a house on the property just for our own security and surveillance cameras and all that. Can I live there once it's done? Is there a possibility I that I could to, live? I would love <laughs> to have you come over. Okay. Um, yeah. By the way, that would be on the bucket list. That's a bucket list thing for me now. Jeez. Yeah. Cause I plan on doing um, a lot of events there because I know a lot of people are going to want to see it and I'll probably do it more like um, charity oriented. Like I'll, I'll be doing lunches. I'll be doing galas. I'll be, um, doing like, uh, I may like auction myself off for <laughs> a lunch at a tour of Versailles, like things. Uh, like that's that. awesome. I mean, that's huge. I mean, I, I, that would be, uh, its own reality show in itself is you giving tours of Versailles. That's like a whole series right. itself. Um, and by the way, and you I guys can't see that. It's fun. I you guys can't for- see her. Oh, I'm just saying your queen of Versailles, Versailles necklace. It is. Yeah, can I take a? I gotta take a picture of that. That is so cool. Uh, you guys, this is. I'm gonna put this on the the gram when this comes out. Uh, but Queen of Versailles is her necklace, and it is amazing. Yeah. So I mean, I'm having a lot of fun with it because, um, actually, um, I'm kind of used to having a camera follow me around. So, um, it, it is like really like being like with me in the house. I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm running around barefoot, and I mean. It's it's at both houses. Like like they film me at our current house and our current life and the struggles of building this big home. Cause my husband, he's uh he's kind of put me me more in charge. He's uh, he's like some really busy foundation and everything. And and I am too. And uh, he had a little setback um this year. He hurt his back really bad and he um he has to recover from his back surgery. Yeah. So, but he didn't want Versailles to be held up and he put me in charge of, of finishing Versailles as quickly as I can. And the thing is, I've never built any, I like, I never built a dollhouse. Or <laughs> uh, so, I mean, it's been like a little bit of a learning curve for me. But to me, that sounds like great TV. To me, that sounds like great. That that learning curve sounds like it's going to be amazing TV. And we will be watching this because it is time to watch this get finished. And it is time for her to have her own show. Uh, I cannot wait to, for one to see it. You guys, all the information about this very important foundation, the book, her Instagram will all be on the show description. Yeah, Anne? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm on YouTube, too. Oh, you're on. Of course, you're on YouTube. So no, you're no, all over I, the place. I do have a YouTube channel, but um, I tell you, like some of the stuff I probably should be taking down because it's like, it's like some, like back when I was trying to be an actress, <laughs> I, I did like some C movies and, and I, oh. I, and I, I put them on my channel, but I mean, it's really bad. 
Now, now oh. you'll see why I do reality and not like, a, <laughs> like I'll never win an Oscar. Let's put it that way. Oh, I, I used to coach actors for 13 years. I'm an actor. It's like, so I can, I'm going to go watch that right now. So before you take it down, I'm going to watch it. Um, oh, Jack, no. <laughs> but Jackie Siegel, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Honestly, 2011, I watched your movie and I was like, man, it would be awesome to meet you one day. Today is that day. Thank you so much. Uh, I, I really appreciate everything that you're doing and I hope we can really go out and support her. And I hope this information can help you guys. I know all of you guys have young kids and turning into young adults. So please pay attention to this message. It is such an important message and, uh, hopefully you'll, and I'm going to hold you to that. I want to come to Versailles sometime. Yeah. Keep, keep in touch with my publicists. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Folks, summer is just around the corner, so it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Now, I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily, I found Quince. Now, I have a lineup of timeless pieces I want that will keep me looking fresh year after year. I got a pair of tan shorts. I got a pair of green shorts. I cannot wait to style these for summer. And I got to tell you, the quality is great because Quince has all the seasonal must-haves, like 100% European linen shirts from 30 performance polos, and versatile flow knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman by partnering directly with top factories and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We will be back in just a second with the remainder of the show, but we as we always do, have to get through some commercials right now. And I'm very proud of every uh, product or any company that sponsors this show. And we got three great ones today. So our first one is StoryWorth. Now, StoryWorth, this is a really, really cool product that I, uh, even before they sponsored the show, I got this for my mom a year and a half ago. And we still talk about this. She was actually bragging about it today. So this holiday season... Um, you want to give gifts to loved ones that make them feel special and unique, just like the relationship that me and you guys share. So that's why uh, I gave everyone that I care about StoryWorth in my family. So StoryWorth is an online service that helps you and your loved ones preserve precious memories and stories for years to come. It's a thoughtful and meaningful gift that connects you to those who matter the most. So every week, StoryWorth emails your relative or friend a thought-provoking question of your choice from their vast pool of possible options. Uh, each unique prompt asks questions you've never thought to ask, like, you know, what's the bravest thing you've ever done in your life? Or if you could see into the future, what would you want to find out? Uh, for my mom, I wanted to ask all questions about her growing up. My thought with my mom was, I want to know the story of Becky Bailey's youth. Um, and I wanted to share that with my niece and nephew and my sister. And so each week, 
it would email her these questions and she got to think about it and then write something down, put a picture with it. Uh, it's it's kind of really amazing. So after one year, StoryWorth will compile all your loved one's stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. And I really, really do mean that. We got one book that is all colored photos. She bought a couple books that are just black and white. I just got a black and white one, but I still think it's really cool. And it's beautiful. It's like this hardcover bound. It has my mom's picture from when she was a kid on the cover. Uh, and it's, I can't, I can't, it just really is one of the coolest gifts that I've ever given my mom. And she loved it so much. Um, reading the weekly stories help connect you with loved ones, no matter how near or far apart you are. Um, with StoryWorth, I am giving those I love most a thoughtful, personal gift from the heart and preserving their memories and story stories for years to come. So go to storyworth.com slash so bad and save $10 on your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash so bad to save $10 on your first purchase. And I'm telling you, Becky Bailey loved this the most. So this is my mom approved. This made me look like such a badass at Christmas. I swear to I it was I really felt like I did something right for once in my life. Uh, our next uh, sponsor is a new one. It's Ritual. So you guys know, as always, I have been uh, trying to fight to stay healthy this whole year. I started off the year having COVID. That really stunk. I also uh, got strep throat at a certain point. And finally, um, I'm like, you have got to... You got to get healthy. 2022 has got to be about my health. And I think this next company can really help. So gaps in the diet shouldn't be ignored. Over 97% of women aged 19 to 50 are not getting enough vitamin D from their diet. And 95% are not getting their recommended daily intake of key omega-3s. So Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin was formulated by exhaustive research to help fill nutrient gaps in the diets of women ages 18 plus. It is formulated with nutrients to help support brain health, bone health, blood health, and provide antioxidant support. But Ritual didn't stop there. They invested in a gold standard university-led clinical trial to prove the impact of Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin. The results? Essential for Women 18 Plus was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in 12 weeks. Now, of course, I'm not a woman, but they do have men's vitamins and I have been taking those. And you guys, I am jacked right now. I have so much energy. I actually feel really good. And I like things like this and companies like this that you can trust because it takes so much to get out there and now work out every day and to eat right. And I feel like you need things like this where you can actually take a pill from a company you trust and it's going to help you and provide you with nutrients and things to keep you going, to keep energized, to keep feeling young, looking young, all of this stuff. Um, right now, Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off your first three months. So visit ritual.com, that's R-I-T-U-A-L.com forward slash so bad and turn healthy habits into a ritual. Oh, I see what they did there. <laughs> that's 10% off at ritual.com forward slash so bad. 
Um, that's a new one. I'm very excited. I am taking the men's vitamin. So if you guys do this, please, please, please let me know how you feel taking this. So uh, our final one is, uh, they were last week as well, is Wondery. We, of course, know the podcast company Wondery. Amazing. Um, their new show, I think you guys will find particular interest because of what it is about, which is kind of about reality shows. So in the early 2000s, millions of households across the world tuned in to watch contestants battle for the last rose or to be the final survivor on the island. Reality TV was beginning to dominate the airwaves, and every show needed to be bigger, flashier, and more scandalous than the last. But in the case of one infamous dating show, the real drama was happening off-screen, and it would shape the future of reality TV. The reality TV series There's Something About Miriam seemed like a pretty standard dating competition. Six young men vied for the affection of Miriam Rivera, a beautiful model from Mexico. But when Miriam revealed that she was a trans woman during the show's finale, the on-screen drama sparked an international uproar about gender, sexuality, and whether reality television had finally gone too far. Wondery's new podcast miniseries, Harsh Reality, the story of Miriam Rivera, reveals what happened behind the scenes of this infamous TV show and how a multi-million dollar lawsuit and media fallout impacted, impacted the lives of Miriam and the contestants and changed the rules of reality television forever. Uh, you guys, we always talk about this in this show. We appreciate where we are with reality TV today. But we need to go back, and there's a rich history of how these shows came to be, and all of these untold stories of behind the scenes. I think these shows are so amazing, but know what's even better are the stories behind the scenes with the actual crew, with the production, all of these things. We see it all the time or want to see it all the time with Bravo, but this is those stories or this is the story for this occasion. So follow Harsh Reality, the story of Miriam Rivera on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or you can listen early and ad-free by joining Wondery, plus in Apple Podcasts or the Wondery app. Uh, you guys, those were the commercials for this week, and now... Back for the remaining portion of the show. Folks, what is up? Uh, you know, you probably just heard an interview. I'm doing this during the day, actually, for once. Uh, I just watched Real Housewives of Orange County, the season premiere of season 16. And I got to tell you, nipples are fully hard. I got so excited. These things can cut glass right now. That's how. And the thing is, my mom has been in town, so I did not get the opportunity to share as much. Would you mind if I did a recap with you guys of Real Housewives of Orange County? Would that start your Tuesday off well? Remember, there are timestamps. There will be a, a interview before this, so you could skip just so you know in the future, use those timestamps if you want to just go straight to a recap or straight to the interview. Try to use those timestamps. Somebody actually Instagrammed me today and said, could you put a could you put a timestamp whenever you, I don't know why I'm making them, could you put a timestamp every time you talk about Kardashians? I don't want to listen to that shit. And you know what? I could, I can do that. It's just more work because then I'm, I, you know, I float around to so many different topics. Um, but I, I hear you. The Kardashians sometimes are hard to talk about, let alone hear about. And I feel you. And I will try to get a little more specific in my timestamps, especially for when it comes to the Kardashians, because we're not going to not talk about them. I feel like they're the fulcrum or the axis on which all pop culture is spinning. I'm not saying I agree with it or I love it, but I'm saying we have to be aware that it's true. You know what show I wish I could recap is Succession. I have thought nothing else but Succession since I watched it late last night, and it is just killing me. But 
I watched Real Housewives of Orange County season 16 episode 1 uh, again, I've watched it a couple times with like a half eye, and then this last time I took notes. So we're going to go over the whole thing. You're going to hear me try to work on some voices. You're like, oh shit. Like, <laughs> Do you remember when Lisa Rinna got the bell at, uh, at Kathy's dinner party? I just found my bell prop. I just found the bell prop. When I moved, if it was in a box, um, I'm finding so many cool things. Fortunately or unfortunately, nobody had a bell this episode, so that's not going to come in handy. But we got so many amazing scenes. And I got to tell you, Heather Dubrow, let's just be honest. For me personally, I was never the biggest Dubrow fan. Like, you know, it. she's a very specific type of person. But I feel like her placement right now in season 16 is the perfect time to have her back. It makes so much sense. It is perfect because, yeah, it does bring like a wealth and an elegance, but there's also a certain way she carries herself. So even if she was poor, I still think she would carry herself wealthy. Also, she is a leader. I mean, I'm not saying like it kills me to say that, but she is a born leader. You can tell it's Heather's way or the highway. And I like that because what we saw last year from uh, Orange County or last season, which was just it coincided with just a shitty year for all of us. So we got to watch that representation on screen with a bunch of numb nuts that nobody was stepping up. You had Kelly Dodd just screaming about everything. You had Shannon like being a professional drinker with John. By the way, those that's a professional drinking couple. That's what it looks like. You know, you really wouldn't you couldn't you know, like you're like, oh, shit. But like, that's what they do. They are the couple. I, I'll bet anything on it that they just start in the morning, they have a drink, and then they just kind of casually go through the day just sipping back vodkas, and then at the night they're just trashed when Shannon starts calling people over FaceTime. Can I talk to you? It's Shannon Storm's Bedore. Also, do you notice this? I, I noticed this towards the I mean, we've all noticed this, I'm sure, but Shan- Shannon talks with her teeth clenched. Shannon talks... I'm Shannon Bedore. But then when she drinks, she loosens it up, baby. <laughs> Woo! And she gets to be fun, Shannon. Shannon is, and it breaks your heart. Uh, and I've, I've been personally in this place before where I've thought I've been more interesting drinking. And, or, or it's easier for me to let loose because when I don't, there's so many things going through my mind. You know, like I'm worried about 30 billion things. The other thing, when I turn a mic on, I don't have that problem. But when I turn the mic off, my mind just like attacks me. And sometimes, you know, I can see, you know, I, I've, I can see where it loosens Shannon up, but it, she doesn't realize that it also kind of looks disgusting and gross after a while. Like we all recognize that like Shannon potentially is, and I'm not trying to say this in a, is that there's, there's alcoholic tendencies, let's say with Shannon and everybody brings it up. They don't bring it up of like, she's an alcoholic, but they'll be like, oh, Shannon had been drinking and she called me. She did her little Shannon dance with her, you know. I mean, that's not good when your friends are like kind of openly, jokingly talking about when you get wasted, you get more truthful and you start calling people and they all get kind of like, oh shit, Shannon's on one again. But remember that Bronwyn's vow renewal? I know we've all blocked it out, but Bronwyn had a vow renewal last season and her and John went, I think it was like in Palm Springs area, and they kept going back to their hotel room to fill up their glasses and it was fucking dark. Like, it was dark. And then the kids were staying in the same room, remember? And they were just lit. They were going into the bathroom and drinking tequila 
And that is just a wealthier version of addiction in a way. And it's not something that you would think that needs treated. I know this has already <laughs> gotten so dark. My whole point is that Shannon talks with a very clenched jaw. And then when she drinks, it loosens and loosens and loosens. And then Gina, of course, I would, I, yeah, it's a very Lisa Renner, or at least that's the, the, before Lisa Renner gets a troll voice, it was like, what's going on? <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> How are you doing? I'm Gina. I can't do accents, so that's really my impression of Gina. I know it's like, you know, she's from New York. <laughs> and Emily, I don't know. Emily's just like, <laughs> Heather over enunciates everything. I am Heather Dubrow. I over enunciate everything. <laughs> Noella kind of seems like she has like a, I am married to sweet James and... I give phenomenal blowjobs. It's very breathy. I'm very privileged to have this life with Sweet James, which is fascinating because we all know Noella. This is what I love about watching New Housewives is because enough shit has gone down in their life just in the interim where they've actually filmed. We know now, spoiler alert, I think if everybody pays attention, we know that Sweet James has gone completely bankrupt. So all the shit she's kind of bragging about and trying to humbly brag about in the beginning, we know it's all gone and she has filed for divorce. So that relationship is donezo, which is, I, you know, I'm not trying to stick up for Sweet James. Obviously, the guy's a D-bag in so many ways. and He's an ambulance chancer, whatever. I do find it funny, and I know you're like, well, guys know exactly what they sign up for, but these girls, like I said, they don't really stay around for when the trouble hits, you know? Like, Erica Jane was like, I'm out of here, Tom. Goodbye. I can't deal. I'm going to say it's because you cheated 10 years ago. <laughs> Look at me. Look at my life. <laughs> you know? I mean, I just, there's none of these ladies like... He paid for the last five years of my life, so I'm going to stick it out with him for this next year and make sure he gets on his feet. No, they're out. They are Audi 5000. And to me, that is the coldest, darkest place to be. But I guess if you're marrying somebody like Noella or somebody that is so into those kind of... And by, by the way, I'm also speaking from... like I don't know what it's like to have tons of money. So maybe if I did, I would think differently on this from an outsider's view, or at least my view, which is very outsider, is that it's just kind of gross. Is that when you sign up... This is why I was kind of married uh, mad about the Erica Jane thing, too. Is like when you sign up for this shit, you know, you're kind of being bought in a way. And if you're being bought, there's always a chance you're going to be returned or there's going to chance you don't like the outfit. There's going to be a chance. There's going to be all of these things because you have now made yourself a commodity. You are a product. And so you will be treated like a product. And I feel like when you agree to that, you sign yourself up for all of this kind of weird shit to happen. And then that's why I don't feel kind of a sense of sadness or, you know, like, yeah, you could say Tom and Erica built up a life over those 22 years. Probably. Yeah. I mean, people in prison make friends with each other. I mean, it's like they're in the same area. Like you, you eventually would have to. And I'm sure there's a great deal of respect when somebody has paid for your lifestyle and all of the baubles and all that shit. But I would love to give an, I would love to get exit interviews from all of these ladies, especially Erica Jane of in the end, was it worth it? 
all your shitty leopard rings and baubles and your shitty Erica Jane music career, was it worth it? Like, remember, these people, they're deal like, it's like the Kelly fraud shit, the Kelly Dodd stuff I talked about on Monday's episode with, like, attacking everybody. And there's a potential thing of, like, well, she's just trying to get in the news. Okay. Is it worth getting in the news being a horrible person? Is it really worth it for a couple shekels? Like, that's the part that I just can't seem to relate. Like, would I want you guys to think I'm, like, a hideous, horrendous—some of you might, but I don't want you to think I'm a hideous, horrendous person. It would hurt my feelings too much. I would not want to make money— if somebody said, you can make money, but people have to think you're a horrible pedophile that does weird things to your dong. Like, no, I would never want that in a million billion years. Money does not mean that much to me. I, I just do wonder sometimes if people's relationship or these housewives relationships with money changes over the decades. Like it has to, right? Or do you just still keep trying to fill that hole by buying bigger and bigger and bigger and seeing, like, I mean, come on. If Erica Jane didn't exist, Tom would still be a fucking horrible crook. But he probably would have been a horrible crook that had not put out that much money. You know what I'm saying? A good a good portion of this money went to Erica Jane. We can all, we can't argue that, right? Like, we're all in agreement. If Even if you're an Erica Jane stan, and I pray for you every night if you are, um... Uh, dear Lord, baby Jesus, please pray for the Erica Jane stands. Do you think God loves Erica Jane's music? Do you think he's like, I created everything, but uh, I'm not going to take credit for this. This is That's all her. That's free will, baby. Um, I just, I, I do think that like he did spend a, I mean, maybe it would have been another girl he would have spent that money on. But I wonder if there was ever a point of like, damn, she's really spending a lot of money. Like I did not plan on her spending this many millions of dollars. Like, was there ever a conversation of, like, yo, could you chill on, like, I watched the show. You literally were taking everybody on a private, like, that's, could we just chill? Let's do, I'll buy you first class tickets on a commercial airline. Could we just do that? Like, come on. I wonder if I will, if I had money, that's the other thing, too. I wonder, do you guys ever wonder if you would buy, if you would, if you, what does it cost? Like, it costs something insane. It costs, like, six like, isn't it five or six figures to go overseas? So would you do that with a private jet, knowing that it's five or six figures where you could pay that much money? That's like somebody's yearly salary, potentially, by not taking a private jet and going commercial. Like, to me, there's no... Or, I mean, I guess if you're super, super famous and you don't want to be bothered and sign a few autographs, sure. But I don't know. Like, for the most part, I feel like... Well, that's just a weirdly gross use of money that can be like done for so many other things. Has anybody ever flied, flown business class on a, a a plane? It's really nice. Like they give you all sorts of wine pairings. I got to fly once for free, and um, I was to Japan with my ex, and she was like passed out. I stayed up the whole flight, and I had them give me everything that wasn't nailed down. Like, they were pairing, like, ports with cheese, and I was like, yep, keep it coming. I was watching every free movie. I was, like, bawling to a documentary. I was just, it was the freest I've ever felt being in first class. I was, like, shoes off, these little sockies they give you on. I was, like, looking around at everybody trying to make eye contact. Like, are you fuck? do you see what this is? Can you believe this? Like, everybody was crashed out in first class, and I was like, does anybody want to stay up and party? Like, this is amazing. 
This is all free. This is all comes included. With First Class, they let you go in first, and they start serving you champs, uh, champs, as Heather DeBro calls it, and like fancy mixed nuts. Before any of the other plane arrives, they're like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to shut this curtain, and you're going to not be aware of all the plebeians where I'm usually at. And that's just, I'm sorry, that is exciting. And I don't know, like, a private jet, I would just, that's too much pressure. Like, just too much. I mean, I don't know. It, it's weird. And then you'd, I don't there's, I would actually, I think, be more scared in a private jet. Anywho, what a detour, huh? We have fun here. Um, okay, so Real Housewives of Orange County, season 16, episode one. Like I said, where we left off, uh, we left off on a disastrous season that was COVID-related. Uh, and we had a lot of change-ups. We have Bronwyn Windham Burke, Miss Thirst. Uh, she is no longer with us um, after her one season where she came out as an alcoholic. And and supposedly, knock on wood, she is still sober. I think that is amazing. That is a very powerful thing that she did. But I will say, I want to always be honest with you. I've met Bronwyn one time a, cu- a couple months ago, and I met Sean as well. And I think I've mentioned this a little bit on the show, D- you know, it was exactly who I thought she would be. Sean, I really liked, actually. I, li- I really liked Sean, and I, I do want to... I, I would would be interested to talk to him on the podcast sometime. Bronwyn, it, it was exact... There seems to be, and I hate to use that word that's overused, but there is a thirst with Bronwyn. There is a thirst that she... I, it, it come, You know how things just read? If somebody's desperate, if somebody's sad, if somebody's really happy, you can just read it. You can tell Bronwyn wants to be famous. Very badly. Like, that's to me what I read. And I deal with a lot of people, but it reads like that. There was a couple moments where I was like, wow, like she really, like, you know, when somebody's like showing you how good everything is. Like, oh my God, what a huge opportunity. I can't say what it is. I can't say what it is. I have a big mouth and I don't want to ever. It was just like, nobody asked. Nobody asked. And I think once you get a little taste of something like this, it's got to be really exciting after living a somewhat normal life, even though I don't think her life was ever normal. Um, but I don't know. Still to this day, just like the the amount of world touring Bronwyn does to hang out with like one season housewives or housewives. Like she hung out with half of the Salt Lake City cast before the show even went on air. And I think that's sometimes a little weird, right? Like it's almost a politician um, going around the country for votes, kissing babies and all of that stuff. Like she, you know, watch the ones that always want to be friends with you immediately. So all the housewives, I think, have amazing things to say about Bronwyn because she's there immediately working that pavement, kissing babies, taking pics, all of that. I do have a couple housewives that have said, you know, on the down low that they kind of see that it's a little weird, um, which I always appreciate because you always sometimes feel like you're like, am I the only one that notices this? I mean, I know we as a you know collective audience notice it, but you always wonder like, how stupid are these people that are on TV? You know, like how really idiotic are they? And you're like, okay, well, okay, pretty idiotic. But at the same time, sometimes I feel like there's a using of that. And, but hey, she's early still in her sobriety. I think she has maybe two years under her belt, which is huge, but I know life is long. But it just feels like she is somebody that really wants an audience. You know, certain people are just satisfied with living and trying to be the best person they can and really taking care of themselves and their family and the people close. Then there are certain people that are like, I need people to hear me. I mean, I'm 
probably one of them, I guess, with the podcast, right? Like, there's no reason why I should be doing this. Why do I feel like my voice needs to be heard? And But that's what I always say, too, is that everybody will have a podcast one day, and all this audience should start a podcast totally. We can promote it on the show. But I think there is something of, like, wanting an audience, but then usually having most of their messages come out sacrosanct of just like, hey, guys, had a tough day today. Let me tell you about it because I want to be honest. But at the same time, as I say that, I guess I do that sometimes, too. So who knows? I'm all over the map on this. I am not decisive at all. The title of this. Oh, and then, of course, we got Kelly Dodd off the airways, and I'm ecstatic for that. I'm ecstatic. What a horrible, horrible troll of a human. Beautiful lady. Stunning lady. I think we can all admit that, right? Gorgeous. But guess what? She's fucking ugly as sin because of how she acts. I'm sorry if you act like you're throwing temper tantrums everywhere. It's the Teresa, like, and I don't want to, I don't want to disrespect Teresa Giodici, but there is that thing where, you know, you just feel like there's a part of Kelly's brain that doesn't click or, you know, when she gets angry or feels abused, like Kelly goes to this place that is just not necessary and she hits like quadruply hard and then wonders why people hate her with a white hot burning passion. Ah, I'm Kelly, God! And you're just like, and Rick, it's like, dude, you are coming off even, like, dude, you come off now grosser than you did before. And that is saying something. And the fact that you're so willing to give your credibility away, I mean, I'm telling you, I've had some good sex in my day. No, I haven't. Probably not. Anyways, but I'm saying the sex, is it really that good? Guess what? Just masturbate. Like, that's, you know, that's good too. Like, I've once again shared too much. I'm so so sorry. Uh, okay, this episode is called Fancy Pants is Back. Now, if I'm a betting man, we like to take the title and see if that has anything to do with the show. And of course, this one does. Fancy Pants is what we call Heather Debro. And so if I'm a betting man, it means Heather Debro is back. And sure enough, in this first scene, I am proven right immediately. Um, uh, so we hear that iconic theme song, like ding, 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 da, da, ding, 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 it kind of feels it's like a deranged uh david lynch um kind of disney like cinderella like ding, 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 ding. there's something haunting about it also but when you when you hear that music though it like that was exactly when my nipples got hard and they stayed that way the enti- entire time it was like ding 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 and then it was like kick, 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 kick. <laughs> this is my nipple up against the microphone kick, 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 kick. <laughs> Everybody, put your nipples up to the screen. <laughs> put your nipples up to the uh, put your nipples up to the speaker right now. Let's all do this. It's very exciting. <laughs> I'm gonna get arrested. Okay, and so uh, ding 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 ding. And Heather, well, who we assume Heather gets out of a car. We see a gold heel step down. Very exciting. She enters this massive house, which we assume it's hers. She walks past the etching. Um, we see sliding doors from like 30 hundred yards away and we see her view. She walks there. It's a very long shot and she's just standing there from the behind and she goes, guys, I'm back. Iconic. Woo. That is the shot of serotonin I needed. One of the only times I've been happy in 2021. And then she's like, guys, dinner. And we immediately get into her family life. We get to catch up with all the kids and all the Terries of the world. She walks past Roxy and George, her two dogs. She's like, why are you in your dog prison, dogs? We meet Nick. And guess who Nick is? Heather's chef. Heather has a chef 
that is just there. Like if I wanted to make a Trader Joe's bag salad right now, I'd say, Nick, would you prepare my Trader Joe's bag salad? I even think Nick would probably make it a fresh salad. Like it just seems like he's a cook to order. We see him them having pizzas on this scene, but I feel like they could possibly make anything. Like he's that good of a chef. We see Terry for the first time. Now, Terry is, it's interesting. Now on a high definition television, uh, it's frightening, you know, just let's, and for somebody that does a show called Botched and, you know, now is on two shows, Botched and Botched 2, Real Housewives of Orange County, Electric Boogaloo, um, it's hard because if you look at Terry's, if Terry might be 75 years old and if he does, he looks stunning, like amazing, but I have a feeling Terry's like mid fifties maybe. And it's just weird. Like I know our ears and our nose keep growing, but I also feel like Terry's done something weird with his nose. And there's something like, have you ever been to Disneyland and they have like the hall of presidents? They're like, oh, I'm Abraham Lincoln kids. And it, it just looks not you know, it looks not right. Let's just call, you know, it looks weird to me. And Terry looks weird. And sometimes I just, I have to shake it. It's like a chill goes up my spine, you know? And he seems like a nice enough guy. He's obviously, I mean, also I will, let's just be honest. Cause I'm just going to call, call out things that make me weirded out. How much money do plastic surgeons make? I'm getting the same vibes as fucking Tom Girardi. Like, Come on, this is a this is a this is not a house. This is like an airplane hangar. This is like I've never I mean I've never seen anything like this before. I mean it just and by the way that was my really my main bum out thing that Heather DeBro wasn't in the cast anymore because I was like we don't get to fucking see the finished house. I'm not gonna go to her YouTube channel. I was depending on this show. Like I'm not gonna go search out the house. I want to see it on this show. I want to see the champagne room. I want to see the etchings. I want to see all of that. And now we finally do. But this is, you guys, plastic surgeons, I know, make a lot of money. But this is like, this is like serious. This is like Usher money. This is like Michael Jackson before he had a spending problem money. This is wild money. Like, they're just, I just, is it investments? Like, can we just, and I feel like there needs to be like an hour-long special of like, how they got their money so you don't have to worry about it over the season. Like, they need those episodes, you know? They're like, where are they now and how did they get their money? Because it really, I am, I get stressed out watching these shows now when I see Extreme Wealth. I want to see Extreme Wealth, but I want to see Extreme Wealth that isn't stolen from on the backs of, like, orphans and widows. You know what I'm saying? I want to feel good about hating these people for their wealth. I don't want to feel like, fuck, somebody's going to jail. Like, that's not exactly fun for me. And I, I don't, it's, we think it's fun. But it's not. I trust me, it is not fun because all of the kids are involved. You have to like I don't like Jen Shaw as far as I can throw her, but I don't want our kids to be hurt, you know? Okay. So Terry, you know, Nick is the chef, but Heather greets Terry with a drink. You know, he's uh you know, supposedly off a, a whole day of fixing people's love pouches. I don't know what it, whatever they call the shit he does. And uh I mean, that's because sometimes I wonder if Terry, like, do you ever wonder about his job of like, man, that's got to really, it's got to mess with somebody's head. Like you've seen, you've seen some wild shit. Like that's Viet, like Vietnam of faces, you know, you've seen some bodies that, you know, pass the Richter scale in terms of like just extremities on their extremities. Um, so we find out, well, we find out, we knew that she had four kids, but we get to see her four kids all grown up now. And she goes, oh my God, what has been going on the last five years with Heather DeBro? Um, I don't know. Well, the house is finished, 22,000 square feet.
feet. Um, I don't know how many rooms it has. Let's see. Uh, four, uh, five, seven, eight, uh, ten, no, eleven, twelve. Well, if you count the other one as two, I guess thirteen. I don't think there's an exorbitant amount of rooms. It's just, you know, well, you know what? The movie theater, that's bigger than your average room. And we get shots of all of these. And there's like, do this box effect where it looks like the Brady Bunch. And it's just pure insanity. And the fact, this is what it shows you, either she's out of touch or she just knows how to entertain, is that she's willing to look like a complete pompous ass. She's willing to like, you know, this is like something of like, yo, I'll count my rooms. One. That's it. <laughs> like, uh, the chef is putting down all the pizzas. They look like made to order. We see Nikki and Max. Uh, one guy, one girl, twins. We see them, who we had seen as young kids. I mean, this is what's so weird about these shows when you're like, I remember you when you were kids. Like this, like this is how I, I feel like familial feelings, familial feelings towards housewives kids i'm like i watched you guys grow up you made me so proud you know and then you're like are you insane just watch the show ryan uh katarina we find out is almost 15 heather goes we used to call her the good one now we call her the artist formerly known as the good one uh coco she likes roblox my niece and nephew love roblox i get some online gaming shit i don't know i have to buy them gift certificates this year She's 10, but you would think she's 21. She's a second-degree black belt. She's sharp, but she's also thoughtful. Um, We find out her son has an internship at a real estate over the summer, which, by the way, I was like, Selling Sunset, baby! Let's do this crossover right! Because Selling Sunset now has an Orange County office. That's what they announced at the uh, end of Season 4 of Selling Sunset. Spoiler alert. Um, So uh, Heather says, you know... If when kids go through puberty, they kind of go through that douchey thing. But what happens on the other side of that is cool. Um, and uh, she says, Max, the 17-year-old girl, she's interesting. She's an older soul. Very clear on who she is and how she feels. She's savage, but she's also sweet. That's also interesting. The, the usage of words like savage, when you hear an adult say that, like Heather Debro. You know Heather has kept her foot in a lot of quote-unquote popular culture. I think when they use verbiage like that, that says something. And sure, she got it from her kids, maybe. But I think Heather kind of keeps generally up to date on everything. Uh, These kids are turning 18, and Max is like, we're legal. Legal to get pierced and tattooed and to vote. But she's saying something. She's like insinuating something of like, what does it mean? And then the son is like, well, it usually means you don't have a curfew, but, you know, we don't have a curfew anyways. And Heather's like, it's because we trust you. Now, with Max, I believe, if I'm not speaking out of place, I believe she's a lesbian. I believe she's come out as a lesbian, which is fucking awesome. Um... And I think we'll we'll hear a little bit more about that this season, potentially. Uh, I'll let her tell those stories. But I can't wait, man. Like, I, I think that is so great. And it looks like she's... It looks like this is the perfect family for her. It looks like everybody... And also, we, we're not seeing the skeletons, of course. But it looks like, for the most part, this is a well-adjusted family for somebody that lives in an airplane hangar. <laughs> so we caught up with the DeBros. It looks really just fucking way too amazing. New scene. We go to Gina and Emily at a damn Pilates class. My God. They need, like, how many Pilates classes have we seen on Bravo this month? It goes up there with hot toddies, 
uh, pickleball and Pilates. Like these are the three big things for Bravo right now. And, um, Emily's like, these look like torture devices. I gotta say, like, Emily bitches a lot about working out. And I gotta tell you, I somebody signed me up um, for the Emily Simpson um, mailing address. And it's for her, like, health package. Like, you can order her diet plans and stuff. But then it's like, I would never do that, A. But B, it doesn't really fill me full of confidence when every time they see Emily, she's like... I got a lot of shit done on my face. I hate to work out. Like, like that's the health plan? Like, your health newsletter is like, get a facelift. Do it. It's going to be worth... Shane loves my facelift. It's weird, you know? Like, she bitches and... Mo- like, that is a key to health. So, remember, she has a new hip, you guys, from last season. So, the hip... She didn't even mention the hip this episode, if I, I don't uh, I don't believe. So, um... I do also want to know, we meet the instructor. I would love a where are they now of all the Pilates instructors over the years. We've seen so many damn instructors. It's, dare I say, too many Pilates instructors because we never get, like, it's a quick hello and that's it. We never get into the lives of these these Pilates instructors. I feel like it's like they think it's a key to, like, fame and fortune and then they're on the show for three seconds where they're like, hey, get on that machine. <laughs> so, um... And he's like, these look like torture devices. And uh, Gina goes, how's the new tatas to Emily? And uh, Gina's like, I love the sweat. And uh, Emily's like, do I love Pilates? No. Will I do it for Gina? Yes. And, uh, you know, Emily's being Emily. And she's like, this hurts my vajayjay. And then she's like, well, the, Pel- the Peloton hurts my vajayjay too. And then they finish the thing, and then they talk on the machines. They're like, eh, you know, it's like that normal bullshit of like, hey, do you guys know where we should film in an exercise class and then just do that thing where we talk afterwards on the machines? Which I would love to insert myself in one of these of just in the background of like, could I get on? I'd like to work out now. And you guys are talking about meeting new people in Orange County. It's weird. Um, So, uh... He um, So we also find out in the scene, you guys, Shane Simpson, Emily's um, husband that has just uh, had really insane COVID last year, remember? He thought he was going to die. And, uh, you know, Shane's one of those people that doesn't necessarily seem like he loves his life or his wife. He's not necessarily mean. He's got a very dark sense of humor. He's fine. There's some Shane fans out there. I've been a Shane fan here and there, not overall, but just in certain moments. And I think that should be normalized as well, where we like people for certain scenes or moments, but you do not have to confirm them as somebody that you are ride or die with. Like, does Shane have any ride or dies? I even think Emily's on the fence about Shane most of the time. So we find out, though, that Shane is now an attorney. He finally passed the bar. Remember when he moved out and went to a hotel and he didn't pass the bar and he, like, left Emily with all of their kids by herself and then he didn't even fucking pass? But I guess, you guys, he passed on a technicality. Is that during COVID... They raised, they lowered the passing rate to 1390 and Shane had gotten a little bit above that. It wouldn't have been, he wouldn't have passed normally on a normal year, but since COVID, uh, so in a sense, Shane got something amazing out of COVID. Like he probably lost his smell and, uh, his, his, uh, taste, but he got to be an attorney finally. So, you know, no matter what, however you get there, you get there. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I will pa- I will take a techni- technicality any day of the week. In fact, if anybody wants to send me any kind of technicality for anything, I will use that thing pridefully. Um, Gina goes, 
So can I make fun of him? Can I make fun of him and not him passing? And Emily's like, of course. And uh, then Emily's like, how's Travis? Travis, of course, is Gina's boyfriend. And she's like, oh, Travis is good. Emily loves him more than me. He always puts the kids first. I kind of making her sound like a little like heavy Canadian Minnesota. And I know she's Jersey, but that's fine. So, um, you know, it helped. Uh, she goes, it helped turn things around with Matt when he was co-parent. And this is really dark because her and Matt, of course, you know, remember Matt was physically abusive when they first broke up. And part of last uh, season storyline for Gina was her being encouraged to do a victim impact statement, which she did. And we get to hear a little bit of that. You know, we also get a flashback of Andy at the reunion, bringing this up. But she said, you know, his court case kept getting delayed and delayed. And then our relationship kept getting better and better. And then finally I had to give my statement. And then we hear the audio of her crying, giving the statement. It's very powerful. And she's like, I couldn't even look Matt in the face. I was kind of fucked up after it brought it back a lot of shit. And she starts really, really crying. You know, of course, I mean, this is totally what you would do in this situation. And she goes, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Can I be done? I have to be done. And she gets up. I do want to point out, I'm trying to be better about fashion for you guys. She's in this beautiful white pantsuit with a little cleavage and necklace, very chic in her hair, which is like, Gina, look at you being able to do your own hair now or actually be able to tell what hair should look like. Looks beautiful, but she's just breaking down and has to get up. She's like, I'm done. I'm done. And then she finishes and she's like, my kids will know their mom stood up for herself and their dad took responsibility, which is just so dark. But it's like, it's kind of comforting, right? Like that is, you know, it's it's unfortunate this had to happen at all. But like, I mean, there is both sides of that, you know, and, and if the, the dad, if, you know, her husband did take responsibility, that's huge. I mean, you know, I mean, that is, we talk about forgiveness and we talk about all that stuff. And obviously this man was drunk out of his mind when he did this supposedly, but if he's, you know, taking that responsibility, I think that's one of the first steps in anything because nowadays nobody takes responsibility anymore. Nobody actually admits they did anything wrong. So I, I do want to say, you know, hats off to that. If, if he did what he was supposed to do in that instance, you know, and, and, and you can only see, but it looks like Gina is really in like kind of the prime of Gina. Like, you know, she got this, these difficult moments out of the way and she learned how to do her hair and everything's good. So new scene. They're also doing this weird thing. You guys in between scenes where normally we would see like the ocean or a dog or a kite flying. They're doing these cutaway scenes. Did you guys notice this with like people's faces, like looking out or like activity? It's like, it's weird. Like, okay, see if I want to see if they do it in the second episode as well, but it definitely feels different. These little cutaway shots than what I've seen before. Like this first one was like a lady on the beach, really way too close and her looking out at the ocean. And I was like, is she a character on the show? What is going on here? Uh, we are at a shop called Wilder, and we meet Sophie, uh, or we get reintroduced to Sophie, 20. She's Shannon Bedore's daughter. Shannon is there as well, as well as her 17-year-old daughters, Stella and Adelaide. And at Talking Head, she's like, I'm sad about the kids growing up, but at the same time, I'm excited to see you know, what beautiful women they've become. I'm not going to lie. I'm not happy about it. I'm not having control for much longer. Uh, Sophie is, of course, at Baylor in Texas for college. And she's like, Mom, how would you feel if I stayed there for the rest of my life? And we the the, the shot goes to black and white, and we are like, eh, eh, eh. 
we're psycho music and she's like i'll be honest sophie uh where would you live in texas and she's like the suburb of dallas or you know in a lake house and she's like i worry about zika zika virus you know i want you to have kids what fucking nut job worries about zika when we have covid right now i'm like zika what is this the 80s like what what when a talking head she goes I'm not afraid of being alone, but I don't want to be alone. I'm happy with John. Like, she always just, it's always tense talking. I'm like, I'm happy with John, but uh, we're both going to be empty nests, nesters soon, and we'll just see where it goes. It always seems like she could just crumble, like in an, like an instant of insanity. And then we get a little shopping montage where he's like, I can see your beaver in that dress. No, no, we need a longer skirt. I can see all the goods. Um, she's just mumbling kind of to herself. She's just probably shaking her head and mumbling. It always looked like Shannon's angry. You know, Shannon always just looks like she's about, just about to yell about something. And that's where I think the booze comes in. It's like the only time where she actually likes herself. And Stella goes, you'll be alone, mom. And everybody's like, Stella. I do want to remind everybody that the Bedore daughters are my favorite all girl rock band next to Heim. Uh, if you guys remember, they did dream catcher, dream catcher. Remember when they went to rock and roll camp and Shannon was like coaching them years ago. I, I have never not thought about their song dream catcher every day of my life. I've thought about dream catcher. Like I was the only one that was like, release it as a single. I'll buy it. Dream catcher. That's amazing. Like what are the lyrics? I want to know more about dream catcher. Um, so, uh, we cut to Nicole um, this, uh, Heather DeBros fan, uh, friend, sorry. They're at like a hike area and, uh, they're each hugging each other. They have matching hair. I guess it's like an up top. It's called dirty hair. I don't know. Hey, it's called hot hair. That's what I'm calling it. And, uh, they're just like, oh my God, it's so hot out here. It's hot out here. And, um, she's like, she, uh, Heather's like, I've known Nicole for eight years. It's a fun friendship. She's literally always in a good mood. And then she's like, oh my God, Nicole, Nobu is coming over to do a party at my house, but we're going to go to lunch to test out some stuff. Um, but you know, you've got to come to my lunch. And she's like, uh, Nicole's like, have you met Noella? She is super fun. And, uh, I will, I, I gotta tell you, and this is how people like Nicole are designed. Like I kind of found Nicole like hot. And I know that like, I felt bad. I felt like a typical dude for calling, for feeling like Nicole was hot because it's typical. It's typical. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I know that I'm typical for even thinking that. And, um, she's like, uh, well, bring, you know, bring Noella to my lunch on Tuesday. And Nicole's like, oh my God, she will be excited to meet you. And then Heather and this, I love these ways in like season premieres of shows, they find ways to interconnect the ladies. It's like complete bullshit because the, the whole production is like, okay, in this scene, you're going to introduce, uh, you know, you're going to talk about all the different people that you know that you're going to meet in the future episodes. So Heather goes, you know what, Nicole, you know who's been texting me lately? Do you know Shannon Bedore? And she's like, oh, yeah, um, I think her oldest daughter and my middle daughter went to preschool together, which, by the way, like, that's like then, what is that, 14 years ago? Like, I forget how old school Shannon is in that area. Like, you forget for some reason. Like, they didn't just move there when they started on the show. And um, Heather's like, well, anyways, I sent Shannon a text congratulating on her new product. And I was like, what product? Is it her cream cheese salmon? She was like vacuum wrapping and free. Like, 
by the way, if you ever, if anybody ever sends me cream cheese salmon, I'm going to consider that a death threat. I will consider that like anthrax being put in the mail. If anybody ever throws me any kind of cream cheese salmon, that is war. We will be going to war because those are two foods that should not be put together. I don't care if you're like, it's tasty. Go taste it yourself. I will never be near no cream cheese salmon. No, no, no. I almost snapped my finger. I was all like, no, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. Um, so uh, she's like, you know, I opened the door with a congratulation text and, and you know, and then Shannon, of course, texted me back and um, Heather in a talking head goes, Shannon and I were never close friends and we get all the flashbacks of the earlier scenes with Shannon and Heather and you forget how, I mean, Shannon's still buttoned up. But you forget in those earlier, like that first season, she looked pale as a ghost. She looked just I so rigid, like there was a ruler shoved right up her ass and just looked like scared to say anything and everything was crazy. You know, it would, it really, and I know I still say she's like one second away from some kind of meltdown, but even then it was like even more, like... I hate to say that she seems much looser now when she's still pretty uptight, but those scenes, even just in quick clips, I was like, holy shit, how did she survive this long? Um, Heather in a talking head goes, I find it funny Shannon's middle name is Storms because she is a storm, but everyone is allowed to grow up and have a restart and maybe it's that time. Uh, and then they're just like, oh my God, I'm sweating. I keep, oh my God, it's sweating. I will never under, I know it's not fun to sweat, but that's how you get exercise. Like, I don't, I don't understand people that are like, I don't like to sweat. Then like, okay, well then good luck not getting any kind of health out of this. Like it's, I, I know everybody's beautiful and pretty and afraid to screw up everything, but I don't know. I'm just used to never talking to anybody when I'm outside at all or in a gym. So I like, I just don't care. I look, I purposely look like a troll. That's just how I go about things. Um, so uh, oh, somebody saw him. Oh, my friend saw me with jeans the other day on and they were like, oh, oh, I see you. You've changed <laughs> like, because all I've worn for the last two years are basketball shorts and a T-shirt. I'm telling you, there need to be classes where they teach us how to wear clothes again. Like just get comfortable in them. I'm just it's so it's this is not even a tuxedo. I'm talking jeans and a T-shirt. Okay, so we cut to um, another weird scene where we see more up-close faces, and this time people throwing footballs. This is their little in-between scene of the scenes. I'm telling you, they're doing something different. We cut to Jennifer Armstrong, MD, a sign. So we meet Chris, Dr. Jen's nurse, and so Dr. Jen is a new cast member. Gina and Emily are going in there for Gina to get Botox. Uh, Gina's like, yeah, I want diplomas on the wall or you're not coming towards my face because they're doing shots of Dr. Jen's diplomas. And Emily's like, I wanted to, uh, I did a lot of work over the year too. I wanted to remove my implants and then I took a fat transfer and put them in my boobs. And then we did a lift and then I did a partial facelift. I'm tight and I'm happy and I have one chin, count it, one chin. Randall Emmett, listen to this, buddy. This is the place for you, Dr. Jen. Huh? I really, he's wasting too much time doing sexting with women and paying them for it. Pay for a fucking chin. Like, I don't understand that. Like, you wouldn't even have to text women and pay them money for nudes if you look, if you had a chin, that's going to make you 30% hotter. Like, I really think that, like, a chin is not going to, it's not going to make everything go away for Randall, but it's going to be a start. 
you know, because you can do something about that. Isn't that Kybella or Smymella or whatever it is? Um, so Dr. Jen comes in. And she dresses like a hot little minx, you guys. She's got boobs out to here. Doesn't look like a doctor at all. And and uh, Jen, you can tell, is a little nervous. You can tell it's like her, her first big scene. And she's like, uh, and then Gina's like, I met you and your husband at Bronwyn's vow renewal. Like, Noella and her are Bronwyn's friends or were Bronwyn's friends. So already I'm kind of like, uh, not really fully trusting uh, she's super friendly, though, and uh, at the vow renewal, I guess she came up to Gina and said, hey, do you want some services? You know, like, I, you know, happy to give them to you. And Gina goes, a year later, I'm cashing in that credit. And then she's, like, scoping out Gina's neck. She's like, these horizontal lines, this is tech neck, whatever kind of bullshit that COVID people, not COVID, Botox people. Um, and Gina's like, Jen is the full package educated worker she's a full-time worker and she's a mom and she's doing it all in stilettos it's impressive um there's a shot of the nurse uh the nurse he's just shaking his head in like amazement at dr jen's work he's like very good doctor very good um and then gina's like you know when death becomes her when she drinks the vial and then her boobs go up to here <laughs> gina's making funnies and then Gina goes, new face, who dis? <laughs> and Gina goes, we can't piss off Dr. Jen. I know how to fix your face, honey, she'll tell us, and then she'll screw up our face. You get me a six-pack, Dr. Jen, and we're all good. We go to a new scene. We meet John, the general manager at Nobu, which is one of the fanciest chain restaurants in California. Uh, Heather Dubrow is there, and um, she's talking to John. She's like, every time you guys come over, it's awesome. I don't want to micromanage, but I want to do cocktail. Of course, you know, the champs wall. We'll have a champs moment. We have all of that. By the way, they show the champagne wall, and it reminds me of Batman and the Batcave, where they put the bat suit. It's all in, like, glass and shit like that, but it's champagne for Heather. Uh, Noella and Nicole walk in, and they literally, no offense, they look like high-class prostitutes. Like, it's like, this is what you're wearing to lunch? Like, these guys, like, boobs out to here. I mean, this really is fancy. Like, you, this scene is, like, intercut with Gina and Emily and Shannon, and they look like they, they you know, they're shopping for, like, Dress Barn or, like, and by the way, that's where I would shop if I was a woman. But, you know, you just see, it's like, not necessarily the have-nots, but it's like a very much have and have-not, like an upstairs-downstairs vibe a little bit, and maybe Shannon's like kind of that that um, that middleman in a way. Uh, but it just I just really shocked me. They definitely didn't seem dressed for lunch, but maybe for lunch at Nobu with all rich people, sure. So we cut to the deck at Laguna, the deck at Laguna Beach, and that's where I said Gina and Emily. And uh, I said I like that Gina and Emily are repping the middle class of the show because now we have an actual higher class of the show. Uh, they order drinks, red tide, and a skinny margarita. And then Shannon comes in and Emily goes, hot pants. And she goes, white, white, white pants. What does that mean? And Emily's like, I meant hot pants. You, I just said you look good, Shannon. And Shannon's like, <laughs> she's like giggling weirdly. And then uh, Shannon's like, I'll take a skinny margarita reposado. And Emily goes to the new Trace Amigas. And Shannon's like, oh my God, oh my God. Because, of course, Trace Amigas is Vicky, Shannon, and Tamara. And that has disbanded. So we're cutting back and forth from Nobu in this other place, Nobu. And uh, Noella is telling, or Nicole is telling how they're friends with 
uh, Noella, and she's like, I looked over, and Noella had the same exact bracelet on I was wearing, and we've been close ever since. Like, that's the kind of, sh- that's how you become friends with rich people in Orange County. You're like, oh my god, you have the same Jaguar I do. That's amazing. Um, we find out that Noella is married to the lawyer Sweet James, and uh, Heather's like, is that his real personality? Is he sweet? And Noelle's like, it is his real personality. And it's just, it's so obnoxious. We met online at the Ritz Carlson was our first in-person date. You know, we fooled around and fell in love. But he puts everything into his work, you know. My mom always said, don't marry a doctor. Don't marry an attorney because they're married to their pager. You know, but if you do marry a lawyer, don't marry an ambulance chaser. They are the worst. <laughs> she says. And then we cut to Shannon. Um, Oh, also, and she says their first date at the Ritz, they had a drink. And then she's like, okay, let's get a hotel room. And they, you know, fucked that night, supposedly, in the hotel room. Like, Noella was like, oh, shit. Like, you're rich, rich, supposedly. Let's do this. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I want to know more. I want to know more about that that night, actually. We cut back to Shannon and Emily and Gina. And um, Shannon makes this bullshit, like, toast. She goes, here's to two girls who warmed my heart and made me realize you can start off rocky and you can end up with a really amazing friendship. And it's like, bullshit, Shannon. You just realize nobody likes you that's left on the show and you need to start making alliances, period. And uh, Shannon in the talking head goes, I really haven't had much of a friendship in the last year since a reunion with these ladies. Um, you know, but... Uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, and they do a flashback of them like Heather, uh, Shannon drinks a lot and then she'll call us late at night. And then Shannon goes, well, two months earlier when I went to New York, I was there with Gina and we had dinners and we kind of bonded and I'm starting to look at them in a different light. And Emily goes, we grew on you like barnacles. And Shannon goes, no, like roses. <laughs> There's a cut back to the other ladies all drinking champagne at the fancy place. And Heather's like, we just celebrated me and Terry 22 years of marriage and 25 years from our first blind date. And I feel very lucky. I'm super grateful. And Noella goes, we have a sex dungeon in our house. It's very chic. You will love it. And, uh, you know, Heather's like, I'm sure I, you know, I'm glad you enjoy your sex dungeon. Let's, that's, that's a you thing, you know, enjoy your sex dungeon. And by the way, they do sh- show pictures of the sex dungeon later and it looks, uh, it looks rinky-dink. It looks like a studio apartment, just like red satin threw up all over it. Doesn't, you know, like, I feel like it would weirdly blind me. You know, I don't know. It's, it's, I get weird vibes from it. Not sexy vibes. I don't even know what I get, what the feeling for me is. Of se- what is sexy vibes to me? I don't know. Um, so we cut back to Gina and she's like, um, uh, we, oh yeah. She's like, I'm going to introduce her uh, Shannon is saying, I'm going to introduce Gina to my friend Heather, which is Heather Debro, at Javier's tomorrow. And Gina's like, yeah, okay. And, um, we get a flashback of Heather calling Shannon from her car. And I, this is the ridiculous stuff where they want us to believe how this group of women came together. And it's like, guys, we get it. Let's just get to the shit. I don't, I don't need you to prove it that like Heather call, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, a little awkward and it takes a moment out for like them to cut to a scene of like Shannon would you like to come to Javier's with me and I would like for you to bring any friend that you have um but Shannon now is describing Heather DeBro to Gina and Emily and she's like she's flipping fun she's funny she's generous she's from New York so you have that in common we cut to Heather and uh 
Heather goes, you know, you you mentioned you hadn't talked to Shannon in so long. And Nicole says that to Heather. And Heather goes, oh, yeah, I talked to her the other day and had a really nice conversation. And it really hit the nostalgia button for me. Which, by the way, this episode is hitting the nostalgia button for me in a great way. Like, I, I it's really amazing. So um, we go back to that two-day earlier conversation. And it's like, my friend Nicole James... Uh, you know, maybe knows you. And Shannon's like, well, I don't know a Nicole James. I know a Nicole Weiss. Uh, she looked like Pam Anderson. She dated Kid Rock, you know, but I lost track of her after pre- preschool. And by the way, once you say dated Kid Rock, that's all I need to know. That's all I need to know about you. Like you have, I mean, I, I dated Kid Rock. That's all I need to know. Like how, I mean, I would like to know further questions. Like how did that happen? Was where was Kid Rock that you guys first met? Like, the fact that Kid Rock was laying it down to so many, like, hotties makes me sick to my stomach. Like, that man looks like a genuine weasel. And I know it's what's on the inside that counts, but sometimes we can judge by the outside, right? Like, he looked like a weasel. He even has the little wispy, like, little mustache where it looks like a little rat mustache. It looks like he's in, like, a, um, you know, a little more of an alt-right ratatouille kind of thing, you know? Um... And uh, Shannon's like, it's bugging me to Jean and Emily. It's bugging me how I know I'm losing my mind. Am I getting early onset dementia? How do I know Nicole Weiss? And then at a talking head, Shannon goes, the reason why it's bugging me so much, I don't want this this to be the person that Heather is talking about. I don't want it to be the Nicole I know. And uh, this is when I wrote, the more Shannon drinks, the more her voice starts to raise and loosen at the the lunch with Emily and Gina. She's like, whoa. Um, and she's like, you're going to make me pee my pants, Gina. And she's like dancing all around. And I, that's what I wrote. Shannon likes who she is when she drinks. You can tell she feels like she's the fun girl. We get to a new scene. We're over at Dr. Jen's house. We meet their nanny, Caitlin. We meet Mr. Puppers, their dog. We meet Ryan. Uh, I guess it's Ryan, but they spell it R-Y-N-E. Way to go, dipshit. Uh, we cut to him. He's in a bounce house, bouncing around. They have three uh, kids. They had three babies in 15 months, two of which were twins. I think legally that's probably how you could do that in 15 months. Uh, and she's like, how do I balance business and family? Well, very carefully and not very well. Her one child is like, I'm going to go finish delinting the couch, mom. Which is like, that's, you know, it's fun. Kids, when they do things that actually, you know, help out around the house as an eight-year-old. She was born and raised in California. Uh, she's like, I know more than I should about the goings-on in Orange County. Dun-dun-dun! Ryan is walking around without his shirt on, and I've only seen Ryan now a couple minutes, and I've already seen his shirt off a lot just in the photos they've shown. This guy is very proud of his upper body. That's fine. I, If I had an upper body I was proud of, I would probably be exactly like Ryan, but it kind of annoys me because I don't. So I'm like, Ryan, put on a shirt or you're not filming with us. Period. Um, she goes, we had an unconventional relationship. Uh, he does high-end vacation rentals, but he was a full-time father before that. And, you know, sometimes he puts being a father before being a husband. It's one of our biggest conflicts, which I'm like, shit, trouble in paradise. Um, Ryan is going away for the weekend and leaving her with three kids. And Ryan's like, I'm not leaving you with three kids. You're not usually here unless you're firing Caitlin, our nanny. He gives weird vibes in this scene. Did anybody else catch that? It's always those guys. I'm like, uh, this genuinely could go either way. I bet if I was a betting man, I bet we find out this guy is a gigantic D bag. 
And that's just like, just, I do not, I have not read anything about him. I have not looked him up, but I get that vibe. I don't know if anybody else got that vibe. So we uh, cut to people playing in the water. It's the little interstitial thing of activities. And it's just weird. I'm telling you. So we cut to Shannon and Gina entering Javier's. And they're like, the scene of the crime at Javier's. And we find out that Shannon and Gina were and Emily were having drinks at another place, not the one that we saw them at. And I guess Shannon fucking blacked out and bumped into Heather Dubro. And Heather Dubro, because they dashed, they got Shannon out of there. And Heather Dubro got stuck with the bill. And Heather's like, they're meeting Heather there. This is the, the time they talk, but they were already there. And she's like, yeah, she, things got a little fuzzy for me. And so Shannon looks like, I mean... I'm telling you, you guys, Shannon's got a thing. And Heather's like, Terry and I were laughing about you drinking and dashing and I paid your bill. And that is like the perfect way to like get back at somebody is to smile while they say something horribly embarrassing about your behavior. Gina's there and she's like, wow, hi, Heather. And um, Heather's like, I grew up in Westchester. And Gina's like, wow. And then (laughs) Heather goes, hair of the dog shannon and everybody's like, yeah and okay let's do that and heather goes i want a skinny spicy with silver patron and then shannon goes i'll have that but un poco on spice and then gina's like i want a lot of spice <laughs> so we're doing more fucking like oh hey bring your friend emily to my party heather says and then and gina was like well i was thinking do you know dr jen armstrong she's like no we'll bring her too so now this is we finally got a way to bring all these ladies together like we were so worried like my god you guys we get it we get that these people were cast it wasn't like oh to invite somebody to a party and then they wound up on the show who do you think we are at this point come on man have a little faith in me bravo and i'll have a little faith in you how about that how you like them apples <laughs> fucking ridiculous um gina goes i really paid it off with jen getting her invited to this big old party huh um emily's a emily's a lawyer jen's a doctor who doesn't want to see a doctor cut loose so then um heather goes nicole that is her maiden name shannon you were right you have the right person so now we cut to a talking head with the producer talking to gina like hey what's let's get to the secret what is the secret that uh, shannon is hiding and gina's like i'm going to spill the tea the tea is piping hot everybody should be fined 500 dollars from here on out whenever they go i'm going to spill the tea no we fucking don't spill any tea just tell me what the secret is like let's the spilling the tea has got to go we've used it up it's done Fucking, there's no more tea. This is not, there's no Boston Tea Party. All the tea is done. Just tell me the secret. Um, She goes, uh, she told me that uh, that this girl, she told me and Emily, Nicole sued Terry Dubrow. Terry, of course, being Heather Dubrow's husband. And then uh, we're back at the uh, table and Shannon's like, oh shit. Um, Well, do you know, do you know she dated Kid Rock after Pam Anderson? And and she looked like Pam Anderson. And Heather goes, okay, let me find out. And then immediately Nicole writes back and it's like, yeah, she did date Kid Rock. So we now know that this is the girl that sued Terry Terry Dubrow. And uh, she's like, this is not something. And Gina's like, this is not something Shannon should know. You know, I'm like, just tell her, Shannon. And uh, Heather goes up to get to the bathroom. Very convenient. And uh, Gina goes, Shannon, she doesn't know. Are you going to tell her? And Shannon goes, stop, stop. I'm serious right now. You made a promise to me last time. Stop, stop. She's like freaking out. She's like, stop. Gina, we made a, we made a promise. 
And Shannon and I are talking, and it goes, if for some reason this is the same person, we keep our mouths closed. We made an agreement. And Gina and I are talking, and goes, there is something going on. It's because Shannon is Shannon. She's just being weird. We cut to Shannon just shoving chips in her face at Javier's and scowling at Gina. Like, just scowling. And uh, we get to the... Um, the end of the, the you know, uh, lunch and, you know, Heather gets the bill, of course, and Shannon is just staring off into space like she's fully disassociating and she's like getting chips out of her teeth, like her mouth's closed and it looks like her tongue is like getting at the teeth, like the chips in her teeth, but you can just tell she's secretly pissed. We cut to Nicole at her house chopping butter. And Noella comes in, and Nicole's like, I'm going to open a bottle of champagne right away. She opens a bottle of Dom. Um, and we find out a little bit more about Noella, full-time mom. And by the way, I want to point out, it's very interesting in this episode, we didn't find out anything about Nicole, right? Like, they have not given Nicole a story. We hear she's dated Kid Rock, but we haven't heard from Nicole. And I find that a very big differentiation you got to pay attention to. They're not introducing us to who she is. We've just seen her in scenes because the rumor is she got kicked off the show because it's Harry Dubrow and Heather Dubrow. We'll find out more. Who knows? Um, so Noelle is a full-time mom with full-time help. She's like, we live with my mom. We have James Jr. You know, the first home me and Sweet James looked at was in Crystal Cove. And he said, your mom is going to stay here. You know, there was no argument. My mom is my best friend. She really was. And Noella tells Nicole, you stand out from everyone here in OC. You know, everyone here in OC is just cookie cutter, very standard issue. The Lululemon's moms, you know. And Noella in a talking head says, I always have felt like the black sheep. I was a welfare baby. You know, my mom built a law practice in Palm Desert, and I got to see both sides of everything. Noella goes, I feel like I have to dumb myself down for the women of OC, you know? And at Talking Ed, she goes, I'm the best friend you can ever have, but I do have some bodies buried of ex-friends. And then we see a picture of her and Bronwyn, and she goes, Rawr, which is just like, what? Remember Noella from last season? She was kind of around a little bit. But you never know when somebody's around just for the cameras or what the fucking deal is. But you know Bronwyn's kooky. So, you know, I would love to know if Bronwyn's ever touched the private parts of Noella. You know what I'm saying? Jen says, well, you have an amazing man, Noella. Every good man needs an amazing woman. And she goes, well, it's because of my phenomenal blowjobs and me being a spendthrift and me being a bad bitch. And Jen goes, because of your blowjobs. She's like, they are phenomenal. And Noella and I talking to her goes, I like the perks of my life. You know, the private plane. We live in a 10,000 square foot, three story house. We've got a gym, a subterranean garage. And yeah, a dungeon, a living room, a playroom. And oh, yeah, an elevator. It doesn't suck. They also showed a couple of the elevators and it looked like just kids toys were thrown everywhere. And it's like, girl, if they're going to be shooting your mouth uh, like house, you're already trying to impress us. Maybe pick up that day. You know like I'm saying? Like, I know you're quote unquote every woman, but come on. Jen says... You know, I wish we could put your confidence in a pill, Noella, and sell it. I love it. I love it. I don't know if I love it. Cut to Emily and Gina FaceTiming in cars on their way to Heather DeBros. Gina goes, I'm stressed when Shannon's calling us at all times of the night and saying, please don't say my secret, please. And Emily goes, 
you know, she called and said, you're an attorney. You need to dig up all this stuff. And I just like, what, Shannon? Emily says, typical Shannon wanting to cause drama on the down low. So if it comes back to her, she can play the victim. And that really is what Heather Debro does, you know? And then Gina goes, I feel bad. I'm getting to know Heather for the first time. You know, I'm like, Shannon, just tell her and get it, get it over with. Rip off that band-aid, Shannon. And Emily goes, she was upset because we all agreed, she says. And Gina goes, I want her to do the right thing, though. And Emily goes, if anything goes wrong, it will be blamed. It'll all be our fault. And Gina goes, I have no problem telling Heather what's going on. No problem at all. And a new scene, we cut to Heather's insane house. The place is being set up. There's a fucking ice sculpture, you guys, that says HD for Heather DeBro. <laughs> and there's like an ice bar for like a raw bar. And Heather comes in. Like, I think there's only 15 people, maybe less at this party. Heather goes, hi to everyone. She has a glass of champagne. And we meet the manager over at Nobu, who's over at her house. All the uh, employees. I bet there's more employees there than there are people coming to this party. So she's talking about the, okay, we're going to start off at the salon, not the salon where we get my hair, the salon where you talk. And then we're going to do bang the gong, vegan jello shots. We're going to have the raw bar cart. Like she's just, they're, you know, piecing all this together in a big uh, montage of her just being kooky. And she's like, then we're going to go into the dining room where we eat the restricted carbs and then bento boxes. It's going to be great. Her friends start getting there. Shannon comes in and Shannon's giggling like, hey, look at me, Shannon. And she, uh, Heather introduced Shannon to her friends. Dr. Jen comes in, uh, you know, meet Heather. And Heather's like, oh my God, Shannon, we met at the vow renewal of Bronwyn. And Shannon's like, ugh. Shannon just has her puss on, ugh. And Bronwyn, um, uh, Shane's expiration says, I don't know what that note is. Um, Emily and Gina come in and Emily, uh, Emily goes, Oh my God, Heather, thank you. You paid my bill. And she's like, yeah, in fact, Shannon already paid me back, which is kind of like a fucking cut. But I love Gina's reactions to this house. Gina has never seen anything like this in her life. It is incredible. Like we, the etching of like, remember when Heather DeBro was talking about the etching and to see it. And it's just like so funny to watch Shannon eat fucking crow. Like this is, this house is a piece of artwork. No matter how you feel about Heather DeBro, this house is perfect. Perfect. And Gina says, um, Terry has an office that he doesn't even use. I could fucking live in there. In fact, I am going to go live in there. They won't even notice. Gina goes, Shannon is not self-aware. She wanted to share this juicy gossip with us right away. And the right thing to do now is tell Heather, you know, I'm not capable of, you know, not saying something. This is not okay. And Noella and Jen walk in and their mouths are agape as well. They're like, holy shit. Look at this fucking house. Pardon my language, you guys. And Shannon says, um... Uh, so then we get shots of like, this is the very end of the episode. And we get shots of Shannon saying, well, Nicole sued your husband and uh, Heather going, are you kidding me? Right. And then somebody's saying you fucking trash. And then I'm like, and then Heather going, I'm so sorry. No, 
filming is over. Filming is over. I'm kicking everyone out of the house. And her her hand is going over the camera lens. And it says, to be continued. And then it says, next time on Real Housewives of Orange County. And we see Dr. Jen and Ryan have a conversation. We see Sean and Shane and Emily and Shane going, I thought I would be dead by now. And then Shannon and Gina are arguing. And, and Gina going, this isn't the sisterhood of the traveling pants, Shannon. And then Heather going, you know, people say, don't shoot the messenger. I say, shoot the messenger. That is fucking awesome, Heather DeBro. Terry goes, Terry says, did you sue me? I think to Nicole. And then we hear same old Shannon and that's it. How fucking blessed are we? Great first episode. Five out of five. I hope you guys liked it as well. I hope you guys like, do you want me to continue with OC recaps? Because what I think I'm planning to do, if you guys like this, if we get some feedback, um, I'm going to do the second episode on Friday, and that'll be the Friday recap. So you guys love you, mean it. I'll talk to you on Wednesday. Thanks for supporting me and all that you do. If you want a holiday card, remember to sign up for the Patreon now so we can get them out next week to you guys, okay? I'll talk to you very soon. Bye! Betches.